I remember when Charlie and I had three kids under the age of four and the dreaded hour. It wasn't the hour before their bedtime because our kids went to sleep so easily. It was the hour before my bedtime because our kids did not like to stay asleep. And so after we got all the kids down, Charlie and I would visit and catching up on our day for a few seconds. And then I would head off to bed and one of us would say, oh, I sure hope the kids sleep through the night. And when I used that word hope, hope for me, it really came from a place of negativity, of disappointment. And it was, it was as if I was trying to throw a feather up to get it to land in a certain spot on the ground. There was the possibility it would land in that spot, but more than likely, it was not going to land in that spot. It was like knowing that I was hoping for something that had bad odds. You know, betting on a game you knew you were going to lose. I wonder, do any of you, when you use the word hope, use it in that way from that place of negativity? What I'm realizing is that this is not the meaning of our hope in Christ. Stacy started us off last week with the spring sermon series, Living Hope. And she said something that keeps swirling around in my head. And she said, hope isn't something that we can conjure up. It's not something that we can create. And she said, the hope, living hope, it is birthed in the resurrection of Christ. Now, maybe this is something all of you have tidied up and feel really good about. But for me, I am struck that hope cannot be manufactured or sold or delivered to me tomorrow on Amazon. That's how I want it. I want it to be like a five-step plan so that I can feel hopeful. Frederick Buechner, 20th century theologian, he defines hope as this. He says, hope for Christians is Christ. Hope for Christians is Christ. He says, it's the hope that what we have believed for millennia about Jesus and what we have claiming, what we have been claiming Jesus is, he really is. The hope that despite the fact that sin and death rule the world, we believe that Jesus conquered them and the hope that in him and through him, all of us stand a chance to do the same. The tricky thing for us as humans is that no matter what day, what year, what decade, there are so many things around us that seem so hopeless. It's like pressing in on us to not feel hope. And there's this one book of the Bible. It's a tiny little book that tells the story of the ancient Israelite people in a time of complete hopelessness. It's the book of Lamentations. No one's like drawn to it to read it because of its title. What was going on in Israelite history in this time, it was inhumane. It was horrific. It was hopeless. Imagine what it would be like if the city where you lived was laid siege 
It's destroyed by an enemy. There were people that were able to leave, but you only could leave if you had the means to leave. You had a place to go to, or you had some form of transport to get there, or the energy to get there. And so the people that are left behind after the Babylonians conquer Jerusalem in the 5th century BCE are those without means. Those without access to drinking water or food. And so this book tells the story of the people left behind to starve to death. It's a lament. It's a hopeless situation. It seems as if hope is completely dead. And then in the third chapter, verse 21, the author does something that changes everything. And I pray it could do the same for us. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we know your hope. We speak of it. Sometimes we feel it. Help us this day to see that it lives constantly. It is ongoing. It is available. It is available because you are alive. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. From the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, 21. It begins with, but. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you ever have something go wrong in your day? It's just a little thing that goes wrong. And then for some reason, something else goes wrong. And before you know it, Everything has gone wrong, and you are in this downward spiral thinking of how everything is going wrong in your life, in your family's life, in the world's life. How do you snap out of that so that you don't just hit rock bottom? For three chapters, the author of Lamentations is in this downward spiral, and he is just telling the story of starvation and hopelessness of these people. He has focused on all that is wrong with him, around him. And then he does something, it almost seems abrupt in the midst of this lament of his malaise. He says, but this I call to mind. But this. In the midst of the hopeless situation, the author decides to call to mind certain things. The Hebrew word for call is the same Hebrew word used all throughout the Old Testament to indicate someone turning, making a change in direction, whether by their body or their face. It's the same word that's used for repent, to turn your back on that which is wrong. And so you get this word picture when he says, I call to mind, I am making a decision to shift my focus in another direction. And when he does so, he says, the steadfast love of the Lord 
never ceases. The word there is hesed. Hesed. It's difficult to translate it into our English. Stacy did a really good job of doing this in our podcast, so I encourage you to listen. It's a love that never ceases. It loves without any depletion. It doesn't have a cap or a breaking point. God's love is not dependent on anything that any of us do. God's love is not dependent on anything that's happening in the world. You see, because God's love is sustained, filled, ever-flowing from God. And therefore, the author says, because of that love, he has hope. And he has something to put his hope into. And so if y'all will oblige me, we're going to do that for a few minutes this morning. Before we do, I do want to name that as the stories I share are meant to offer hope to us, I understand that in my life, in your life, in the world around us, there is much that seems hopeless. The adjective that is used most often in media and news stories recently has been another. There's been another week of the virus, another mass shooting, another body cam video comes out. This is the deal, y'all. We cannot put our hope in anything of this world. But we can choose to call to mind where the steadfast love of the Lord is never ceasing. We can choose to call to mind the ways that God is at work through God's people in this world, where the good news of the gospel is being lived out. We who live in this broken world, we boldly proclaim, hope lives. Therefore, I call to mind. So most of y'all know that Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church has been with the nonprofit organization Community First since its beginning. And God continues to be at work in this ministry, even in the midst of the pandemic. It's a ministry for people who are experiencing chronic homelessness, a means for them to have a forever home, literally living hope for these folks. What you might not know is that There has still been lots of ministry with our church and with Community First, even in the midst of the pandemic. So last January, the people of this church have been part of creating an outdoor park for one area of the community, one of the oldest areas there. You'll see a picture here. This is from a work day pre-pandemic. There were all ages out there working on a Saturday They cleared the land. There were students there. And and I remember when we left that day thinking, did we make it muddier? It was one of those projects. Did we make it muddier? Because how much did we really do? And I had to include this pic of um, Pastor Claire and Isaac because they were trying to reenact American Gothic. And it just makes me smile. Isn't that great? What you need to know, friends, is that that day, and those of you who were, who were with us that day remember that someone from Community First told us, we have, you can take it down now, the picture, because it'll keep distracting everybody. 
someone told us, we have hopes that this mud pit will one day be an outdoor park for all of these neighbors that live around it. The leadership of Community First was super intentional about this. They didn't just ask Westlake Hills Pres, will you go build a park? They sat the neighbors down, the people that live right there, and said, what do you want in this park? They took this information, they partnered with the landscape designers, and look what our church has done, friends. Look at what has been created. Look how amazing this place is. You know, they told us they didn't want to have to worry about upkeeping the lawn, and so it's, it's got astroturf. They wanted to be able to grill with folks, have people over for a barbecue, just like any of us would outside of our homes. All of this was funded through your generosity. Hope lives, friends. Therefore, I call to mind, Last month, a small group of our high school girls and their parents and leaders, they went out to this park now called King Park and they finished the lovely landscaping, putting in plants. Hope lives, friends. And in the corner of this picture, this next picture that you see, in the top right is a yellow home that was the very first microhome built by the people of this church over 10 years ago. Who would have thought that it would now be surrounded by hundreds of other homes? This picture here is from our work group, small group that went out to community first in the fall. This is, what the, this is literally what it looked like at the beginning of the day. And then a few hours later, they have built this house, forever home for someone Friends, hope lives. And then here is the second micro home that was built by a group of folks from here in February. We need to call this to mind. In the midst of a pandemic, different generations took time out of their Saturday to serve alongside one another. Several in our faith community have had surgeries in the past weeks. Our deacons are a living example of how to be people of hope. They've done things like bring a basket of treats over to your house, a handwritten note. They've provided meals, face-to-face -face visit, ushered at memorial service, held other people's hands. Our team of deacons are a tangible example of living hope. Therefore, I call to mind. Last Saturday, 57 of our folks went on a middle school retreat breakaway. This picture shows the Motley crew being goofy, an environment that our staff and leaders have created where you can be your true self as a middle schooler. What you might not know, friends, about this retreat is that the people that our staff asked to speak, they were our student leaders. They were our high school students. And they shared part of their stories with these young people, their real struggles about things like body image and eating disorders and fights with their parents. And as they stood there, they told the students, the reason that we are still here, the reason that we have been able to get through it is because of the hope that we place in Jesus Christ. You see, 
they are showing their middle school friends hope is alive. Living hope is not wishful thinking. It's not just throwing a feather up in the air and hoping it lands in the right spot. Living hope is not a bet placed on a game with the hopes of winning because living hope already won. It always wins. So the next time we find ourselves in a downward spiral of sadness about our lives and in the world, which is justified, it is real. May we, like the author of Lamentations, call to mind the ways that God has been faithful. May we turn our focus towards the steadfast love of the Lord and let that be where we put our hope. It could change everything. May it be so in my life and in yours.